Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Today is episode number 50, and I could not think of a better guest to have on the show to help celebrate. Today we have Mr. Horst Schultze, who is the co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. He is also the founder of the Capella Hotel Group. He is a legend and leader in the hotel world, and Mr. Schultze's teachings and vision have reshaped the concepts of service and hospitality across all industries. Uh, During his tenure at the Ritz-Carlton, Mr. Schultze served as president and CEO and was responsible for the $2 billion of operations worldwide. It was under his leadership that the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company became the first service-based company to be awarded the prestigious Malcolm Baldrige National Quality Award twice. Mr. Schultze also wrote a book called Excellence Wins. It's really one of my favorite books, and it is a no-nonsense guide to becoming the best in the world of compromise. He also has some fantastic leadership content that you can purchase and view at needtolead.com. And if you want to find out more about him, be sure to check out his website at horseschultz.com and also check him out on all social media platforms. And now here's Mr. Horst Schultz. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. Uh, today I have a special guest with us, Horst Schultz, who is the founder of the Ritz-Carlton as well as the Capella Hotel Group. So I know we'll get into that, but uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you. Yes, and if you wouldn't mind, just kind of tell us about growing up and what that was like for you. Well, uh, I <laughs> I grew up in the war years and right after the war and so on in, in Germany in a small town. So it wasn't wasn't an easy time. It was hungry time. It was a difficult time and uh, uh, air raid shelters and so on. But <laughs> for some reason uh, that was. Uh, my my father came back. I met my father for the first time when I was seven years old. He came back from Russia from the war. The war was over. And uh, a few years later, I, for some reason, by the time I was 11 years old, I went to my parents and said, I want to work in the hotel business. Now, there was no hotel there. I've never been in a hotel. I've never been in a restaurant before. But I must have read something. I don't know why I want to be in the hotel business, but and I went, my parents said, yeah, yeah, sure. But I kept on insisting. They really didn't like it. My grandfather was embarrassed. This was nothing honorable at the time in Germany. You did a technical job. Even being a roofer would have been proud. Now being an architect now, that would have, or an engineer now, that would have been something. But anyway, I finally, my parents uh, conceded, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> found me a job as a busboy in a hotel 100 kilometers away, which was very far at the time. Train, three times changing the train and so on. And, but that was the best hotel in the region. That's why. So I left home when I was 14, got to that hotel. And the reason why I tell that story, because it was life-changing the first day. First day I met a general manager who told me, don't be envious. Our guests are very important, ladies and gentlemen. You are just here to 
take care of them and learn how to take care of them and so on. And then I met the maitre d' of the company, of the hotel. And he said, now tomorrow morning, you start working here, start working at one at seven o'clock. If I meant one minute after seven, I would tell you, I mean, seven o'clock. And by the way, I don't want you to work. I want you to come here to create excellence in what you're doing. Now, when you're 14 years old, that goes right over your head. <laughs> What's he talking about? Uh, excellence in washing dishes or cleaning floors. That was my work. And I showed up the next morning. And from there on, I slowly learned what excellence meant. Because the melody, that gentleman was a human being of excellence. Everything he did, he didn't do just fulfill a function. He had high intent in everything he did. And I learned that excellence is not an accident. Excellence is the result of high intent of, and hard work. And I slowly learned that and it impacted my life. So that was my early, but, but if you don't mind, I, I hook on to that because there was an important, another part of my life related to that medity, in fact. I then left after three and a half years there. I worked in the finest hotels in Europe, in Switzerland, in Paris, in London. I mean, in the very finest in Europe. And then I came to the United States, 24 years old come to the United States and I worked in the Hilton in San Francisco as room service waiter with the intent of going back within a year or two, but I wanted to accomplish a promotion to room service supervisor. And I could see that happened quite frequently there. There were four supervisors. They were used to become restaurant managers and so on. So I knew I would get that job next because I was the best, by far the best waiter there. I knew what beverages got to get. I want the food, mean food chemistry and everything I had learned. I knew everything and all they knew, the rest of them is how to take an order and deliver the food. And the manager of room service was German too. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't in, I knew a job, that was it, you know. And sure enough, one of the supervisors got promoted. There was my job about a few months later. And I didn't get it. Hmm. Somebody else got it. And now that shows you how stupid management can be and all that went through my mind. And I was, my ego was crushed. Everything, my, my job was gone and, and, and it was terrible. It took me a few months to admit to myself, the guy that got the promotion deserved it more. Because you see, I was very young. I partied a lot in the evening. When I came to work in the morning at six o'clock, you could see from a hundred yards that I was tired. <laughs> he, he, and I was a few minutes late, just a few minutes, mind you, no big deal. The other guys never was late. He was mm. five minutes early. He smiled when he came to work. And when the, when the manager said, let's do some side work here, folding napkins. I said, why me? 
The other guy said, I'm happy to. And when I came to that realization, I went back to my little furnished room in the Tenderloin district in San Francisco. <laughs> and I went, I had a little furnished room, no kidding. I was terrible. Uh, and I talked to my maitre d. Now he had passed away. He didn't show up as a ghost, nothing. I, but I talked to him. Okay. Because before I left him, he made me look in his eyes. He said, look in my eyes, never go to work to work. Always go to work to create excellence. And I knew what it meant. And I promised him. And now I talked to him and I, I told him, I'm sorry. I went to work to work. And I promised him it would never happen again, never. I realized I went to work to work. What is stupidity? How stupid can one get? Why waste that time at work to just work? Why not define yourself? And, and from there on, my career took off like a rocket ship. Mm. That, that was the end of my going to work. Mm. It was about 25 in the meantime. And I never again went to work. But I, I created processes. I wrote it on my mirror the first year, go to work for excellence. And, and when the Medity wanted something, I said, I'm happy to. <laughs> Why not define yourself as a, somebody first class? And that's, that's, that's all I could want to preach to young people. Define yourself. And where do you define yourself? While you watch TV at home or while you're working? Hmm. So that's my early time in the career, in my career. Yeah, and there's a lot to unpack in that story. It's, there's, there's so many great lessons, but... You know, even going back to the very start when you were young, you had this dream or this ambition to get in the hotel industry, even when maybe your family or or people around you didn't necessarily think of it as a great oh, op in, option. In fact, I posted for a long time, but I begged and cried and they finally went along with it. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think that's probably a testament to your persistence, but it's very easy for people when they have people around them that maybe don't necessarily believe or, or think that's the best thing for them to do to kind of give in and not not pursue that ambition. But obviously you persisted and your parents saw that you actually had a, a real deep desire to go and, and do that. And they helped you along the way after that. Oh yeah, so sure. going, touching into that, I mean, how impactful were your parents there at the young age to support you in that endeavor? Um, yeah, I mean, they really went all out. Once, once they knew this is something I'm possessed to do. They went all out to find out how do you do that? I mean, I had no idea. My, my father was a postman, my, my mother housewife in a small village. What is a hotel? Hotel people sleep there, but is there? <laughs> there was no knowledge of what the, 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 the globality, the, what the, 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 the intensity of the hotel business. Nobody had an idea, but they done inquire. They went to government agencies, they inquired around. They, Made, made all kind of effort to understand. Then they make an effort, how do we find the best hotel for him? What is the best hotel in the region? And then made all every effort to contact them and talk to them and to get me this job as a busboy. Yes, total support. And, and then of course, you know, let's face it, it's your parents early on and hopefully in, in, in most cases it is. And then there are other people in life that you meet that, that that you see as mentors, that you see as an example, knowing that gives you a responsibility to be that example also on the end, because that made it the, he changed my life. He changed my life the, very, the first day, but look at me and say, 
in fact, don't come to end by saying, and he had discipline at the same time. He said, when I'm, if I meant one minute after seven, I would tell you so. When I say seven, I mean seven. Wow. I knew from there on, he meant what he said. Clearly, as a leader, you have to mean what you say and you have to not compromise it. Hmm. Period. I, I learned that that first day, he put that into me, deep into me. Yeah, and absolutely. And as he put that in you, you can see that there was some mentorship there, uh, maybe without you realizing at the time, but then you have the opportunity to... I didn't realize anything at the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you did, uh, you know, when you say you're 25 years old, you had that experience and that really kind of reshaped you and, and you would essentially talk to him and remind yourself of the things that you learned from him. And, you know, from that point on, when you made that, that next decision to, to commit yourself to excellence and being first class in everything you do, what kind of transpired and, and how did that play out in your career moving forward? Well, well first of all, I, I looked at the, I, what he, he used the word excellence all the time. I, I stepped back that day and said, what is excellence? And, and, and I realized, and I, I, I referred to it before, excellence is never an accident. It, it's, it's, it's making the right decision, ongoing the right decision. It's high intent. What do I want to accomplish? Do I want to just, do I want to be a room service waiter? Or do I want to be the very best room service waiter? High intent. And I made a decision of high intent from there on. Anything I did, I said, high intent. What do I want? When I started Ritz Carlton Hotel Company, mind you, David, I, I was working with Hyatt. I was in charge of food and beverage operations for the United States for all Hyatt hotels. And I was offered to start this new hotel company. Well, I had no interest in that job, except they pursued me. They had two hotels in construction and wanted to create their own brand. So they pursued me and I thought myself, cheap. if I would take the job, what would I do? Well, I would create the finest hotel company in the world. That's what I would do if I would take that job, if they would let me. And I talked to them, would you, let me pursue this high intent. I had no, no interest to go for another job. I had an interest to go for a high intent or high possibility. And I set that as a goal. I mean, I, mind you, I, I joined these two hotels in construction. We didn't have a name at the time. I joined and then I had to hire my first people. And I said, join me to create the finest hotel company in the world. Some of them laughed. I said, you're kidding me. I said, wait a minute, we don't even have a hotel. Yes, but that is the intent here. So if, if I would have said the intent of become a great average hotel company, that's what have happened. But because there was high intent and a commitment to that intent, a great vision, a great purpose, high intent. So excellence is always the result of high intent and hard work, of course, you don't get it. The, the intent alone won't work, guys, okay? You have to work hard to go after it. But for something exceptional, for a purpose in life, not just for to get to, to, have a, to have a salary. You're kidding me. You go to work for a salary? You must be kidding me. You go to work for something much higher, for purpose, for defining yourself. Oh, where, where else would you define yourself in life? While you're at home watching TV, if someone's saying it doesn't happen, yeah. 
you do, you define yourself wherever you spend most of your waking life. It's at work. Mm -hmm. So why make it work? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's so great too, because you have intent, you have ambition to be the best in whatever you're doing within your work. And it doesn't necessarily, because you're doing that, it's not, it's not work where I would say many people probably view their jobs as more of a drag where they don't enjoy going to work. They don't, they just want to get through the day to go home and maybe watch TV. And, yeah. and they fulfill functions, they fulfill certain functions, but watch out. They, and I always said this, I think I mean, this is just so strong in my mind. The chair in which you're sitting is fulfilling a function. Hmm. You're a human being. You go for something higher, high intent. You're doing it for high intent and, and making just a salary is not, not that high in intent. That, that, but the beauty here is while you're fulfilling your functions and your work, you get paid and you have the opportunity to take that time at the same time and define yourself as somebody excellent. So, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a decision and your, your destiny in life in everything you do is the decisions to, that you make. It's, again, it's not an accident. It's what kind of decisions do, are you making? Yes, and that's so great you said that because that was one thing I wanted to touch on with you because I've heard you talk about, um, you know, our choices determine our future and where we're at currently today in this very moment. All the choices that we made are here. And so as you touched on yeah. right there, those choices that we make determine yeah. where we're at. Your, your success is not accomplished in the future. It's accomplished right now or not at all. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And also, you know, I would, I would assume too, that because you did such a great job at, at whatever you were placed in at the moment, once you had that, that kind of shift in your mindset, you yeah. had a lot of opportunities probably pop up things that came your way. But um, when you're analyzing those opportunities, you are focused on what maybe your mission or purpose and destiny is to align with those things and, and serve, you know, excellence to the highest degree in whatever endeavor that you're doing, I would assume. Sure, sure. but the, 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 let me model this for you for a moment. Now this okay. is, I always said that's a leadership model. And it starts with high intent. That means, what is your objective? What is, what's your objective? What do you, who do you want to be 10 years from now as a human being, as a profession? So with other words, you establish purpose and you have to give that thought and you have to be clear once this is very clear, you have a purpose now. My, for example, Ritz-Carlton or Capella Hotel Company later, you understand after Ritz-Carlton, I started a new company called Capella Hotel Company. While I was running Ritz-Carlton, Ritz-Carlton was always voted number one in the world, number two a couple of times, number one, number two in the world. Guess who is rated number one in the world now? Capella Hotel Company. And, and, and I sold it two years ago, but it was, I started both companies with the intent to become the best, high intent. So that's, so with a vision, with a purpose, with a reason to go to work. So that is, so vision or purpose, it starts with there. Understand what it is for you. Now done what you have to do next, be committed to it. It's not a pipe dream. Be committed and say, I'm going to make it no matter what. You fall down in the mud, you stand up, and you look at your purpose again. Hmm. Next is understand what it takes. What steps do I have to take to get there? 
What do I have to get, do to get there? And initiate those steps. And next is to keep on focus on that. Because all of us will find reasons why it cannot be done and why it may be a mistake. And why, do, why do we find those reasons? It's our insecurity. In case we don't make it, we have an explanation. It's not us, it's because. Uh -uh. Keep focus, that's not a focus. It's because that reason why it cannot be done won't buy you anything. Hmm. It won't give you honor, it won't give you recognition, it won't give you anything at all. Everything beautiful lies in the vision, in hmm. the purpose. So keep on giving, no matter what, no matter what. You, it's not a reason it can be done, it's only an excuse, remember that. So just keep keeping on focus and make the decision, I'm going to make it and, 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 and it continuously improve yourself. By the way, I have to put this in here. Per excellence in a human being, I try that again, I try to drive that home to everybody because it's very simple. Excellence in a thing, in a thing, in a, in a thing, whatever the thing is, mm -hmm. if it works well for what it has been created, mm. excellent. In a human being, human being excellence is if I function as well as I can to the best of my ability in the work that I do, not just do it, but to the best of my ability. Plus as a human being, if I do to the best of my ability have my relationships <clears throat> with people. Number three, best of my ability morally and ethically. Those things make up a human being of excellence. <clears throat> None of us is perfect at any of those things. But if I do my very best in my functioning, in my very best in relationship, in my very best morally and ethically, I'm a human being of excellence. Now, I have to take those areas though and improve them. Hmm. <clears throat> like a company, if you stand still, somebody else will pass you by. You have to improve in life. So I have to question myself, how to improve it? It's very simple. It's the simplest way of improving that, and nobody does it, and it's the simplest way, is to question myself once in a while, twice a week, could I do my functioning better than I'm doing it? Work on yourself, tweak it, yeah. <laughs> improve it. And then of course, and I recommend, Ask it to itself to twice a day. How could I relate better? If you walk by somebody, could I have said nicer good afternoon? Teach yourself relationship. Because relationship, you know, a company or, or you trust in a company or trust in a person is not because of the product that you create, it's because of the relationship that you have. Mm. that you care, that you show that you care for them. So why wouldn't I improve that constantly? And of course, I have to ask myself if I'm morally, if I'm doing the right thing and ethically, I mean, goodness, you know, and I improve those things. If I improve those things constantly, I'm creating excellence, not only in what I'm doing, but in me as a human being. Yes, absolutely. No, that that was that all was so good. But you know, as you talked about that, asking those questions and 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 doing it daily, 
not just once a day, but multiple times a day in whatever you're doing. Am I treating my spouse right? Am I in my job? Uh, am, I, yes. am I doing a good job with the people around me? Am I showing that I care? And there's a quote that I love that I'm sure you might have heard, but it's just people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and just being able to be relationally driven. You know, in relation, I mean, you have to do a better. You, you said spouse and, and, and particularly you young people, if you're married, you guys, why don't you do this? I'm going to recommend something to you guys that are listening. And if you follow that, you're improving your whole life. Ask your wife once in a while, how could I be a better husband to you? Mm. And because there is no, there's no greater and more important relationship in life. There are many important relationships with your friends, with your work, with the, with the customers, there are many, many. But there's no more important relationship. There's no, no more important institution, nothing than marriage. I mean, in, you know, you get married, you know, it's all, it was, make a decision. There too, make a decision. I'm going to be in love with my wife the rest of my life. I'm married 43 years old. I'm still, I don't really love my wife. I'm in love with my wife. That's awesome. And, and if you ask that, there you are. But my point is, it's all, everything is a decision. That's my point here. Yes. And, and if you ask your wife, how can I be a better husband? That's continuously improvement. And she'll so, probably tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, no, first she cries and then she will tell you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes. No, that's so great. You know, as you talk about these things, how important is it um, to ask questions? I feel like as you've talked about these things, you're asking yourself questions to help evaluate where you're at in these different areas of your life. How important has that been? Is that something you've naturally done is asking yourself questions? No, no I, not naturally, I for, but I force myself. In fact, I have a hard time doing it, but I force myself. How could I do it better? I ask, I ask myself this constantly, but I ask people that I work with, people I was, hey, how could we do this better? How could I, how could I, how could I handle it better? And, and if I, even if I had, a, particularly when I had a conflict with somebody, leading the company and the general manager said, I have a problem with you and here's what it is. And I gave him plenty help. And afterwards I said, do you understand that? Yeah. Then let me ask them, how could I have explained that better to you? How could I have handled that better? You know, and somebody said, no, this was good. And in fact, I had a letter recently for somebody who talked with over 20 years ago. And so remember that this guy doesn't, when you asked me how we could have handled it better, at the time I said you could have handled it much better. Looking back, no, that was the best way because it still sticks with me. Mm. So you get answers, but, but you know, you, you want to improve. Yeah, I'm not, and I did, frankly, to be very honest, I didn't ask them those questions for them. I asked it for myself, selfishly. Yeah. I want to improve. Yeah, constant improvement, constantly learning and, and evaluating. And, you know, as we touched on those things, I definitely I'm going to I'm going to touch on that marriage thing towards the end for sure. I want to hear more about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, as as you talked about that individually, the questions we can ask striving for excellence in our personal lives and in our, in our work, you know, how how difficult was it? You said you, you know, you didn't even have a name for the Ritz Carlton yet. So no. it, but you were selling a vision of becoming the best hotel in the world. How important is it to get the buy-in from people first and foremost, but also to get them and develop a culture, a team, have great customer service? You know, what does that look like? And oh, that, all that is essential. All that is, you you can't do it with you, you you don't do it by yourself, by the way. 
you know you 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 always have you have to have buy-in which is good which people call 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 uh, relation reliance this alignment is you is the word that is used now all the time and then overused <laughs> what is alignment how how do you run a great company or create department or or you can relate anything in life to it if you want to but you first of all if i, I run a new company or start a new company or run have an existing company i have to understand my market who's the market out there what does the market expect ideally from my product? What do they expect from me? And I have to look at that. I have to understand that not what I think, what do they think? And then I have to, and over here, a lot of people, my employees, I have to make sure that they know what the market expects from us. So, and then as management, what is management? I create processes systems measurements controls be sure this actually happens and that's called management now leadership is not, that is a different story leadership creates an environment where those employees here want to do it they want to do it. they're buying in how does that happen well by telling them the value how the, by telling letting them join in the vision in the purpose and let them know how they will benefit by accomplishing that purpose. I am aligning them to the customer and to the organization. I don't hire them anymore to come to work. I hire them to join the purpose of the organization and show them how they will benefit from that purpose. Hmm. And you millennials, that's good for you because the millennials say, what's in it for me? Well, I tell you what's in it for me. If we make it, you will benefit, we will grow, you will have opportunities, we will be recognized and respected, you will have more income, you will have honor, you gain honor, you are defining yourself here by trying us trying to accomplish being the best in the world, you will be seen as such and you will have recognition. So I'm connecting you to the customer, to the organization, and you're not anymore, I'm not hiring anymore to fulfill a function, I'm hiring you to join me. That's how it works. Yes. And, and, and sadly, it's not how it works. Sadly, people hire people to fulfill functions. I don't get it. Yeah. Frankly, I don't get it. Well, yeah. it, it, it's silly. I mean, yes, that was that was possible a hundred years ago, but not anymore because millennials say, what's in it for me? I have to tell you what's in it for you. And um, by the way, when the millennials buy something, they're saying, and companies better understand that pretty soon you guys are the only ones because the rest of us are dead. You... <laughs> but it's true, you know, but you're the customer. So I have better know what you want. And the millennials say, very importantly, do it my way. Do it my way. Uh, individualization is becoming more and more essential. You see, if I buy a McDonald's, I say I take a number one. You will say I take a number one, but I have two slices of tomato, half a pickle, I have it my way. Yes. Except that's how I grew up. The millennials say do it my way. And we, and meaning individualization. And we better understand that as companies. Well, a question for you, because you obviously, uh you started in, in the Ritz-Carlton has evolved over time because you were dealing with different generations. 
how have you gone about evolving with culture as those things have, have come on and how do you still create and, and, and give the best customer service possible with all those things you just talked about as things evolve? Yeah, well, uh, I, I, I want to understand something here. What the millennials now express, they're expressing it. I wanted it too, but I was afraid to ask. Mm. I was taught not to ask that question. I was afraid not to ask what's in it for me, but I was wondering what's in it for me. So the, the evolve, evolving into it was just communicating it better, communicating we are here, we understand who you are, we understand, join us, speak up, empower. Everybody talks about empowerment, it's not a buzzword, and yeah. it's a lot of BS talk. And no, and they're, done, they're not empowered. And they talk about open door, door policies, but nobody is nobody dares to walk through the door, you know, and all the stuff that's being talked about. And that is changing. And that the, 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 the millennials want to see that different. We had an open, we, we, we had that open door policy totally. We had empowerment totally in our company. And, and because I knew, look, you have to understand, I had hotels in five continents later on, and, and I couldn't serve the customer in Shanghai or in Sharm el-Sheikh or in Bali or in Berlin. Somebody had to do it. So I had to empower and align them totally to what, 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 what Ritz-Carlton was. So we have to select right the employees, teach them right, keep them aligned, keep them informed, keep them part of the company, inform them who we are, empower them to do the right thing for the customer. In fact, we went so far, there was a decision I made, which, which created nearly a nuclear explosion in the company, was when I made the decision that we will empower every employee, every employee, busboy, Veda, general manager, doesn't matter and to make decisions up to $2,000 to make sure the customer is happy. <laughs> I was sued for that, you know, I mean, understand Ritz-Carlton or other hotel companies, we don't own the hotels, we manage the hotels. And all of a sudden the manager, the owner see that I am empowering every employee, 800 employee in, in a given hotel that everybody could give $2,000 away for the customer. Wow, the owners sued me for mismanagement and everything. Well, and what did I want to do with this? I never want to lose a customer. Hmm. That was my objective, never lose a customer. If a customer is unhappy, it's worthwhile to spend up to $2,000 not to lose them because I knew the lifetime customer is worth $200,000 at least and they, they won't go out and talk negative about me. Hmm. So it was a, was a pragmatic decision we made except in, and, and I want to tell every employee at that time over 20,000, I trust you. I trust you in Berlin to make the right decision to keep the customer. I trust you in, in, in I don't care where, in, in Seoul, Korea to make the right decision and so on, or in Philadelphia for that matter. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've heard plenty of, of stories of, of customer service at the Ritz-Carlton and the, and the hotel groups that you've been a part of, but you know, there was one story that I heard where, you know, there was a cookie in the room that had taken nuts out of it. And, and the person who was servicing the room came back and had a cookie without nuts. 
something as simple as that or something simple where if they feel like the customer feels like they had bad service, then you guys came back and you em- empowered the employees to make a conscious yeah. decision to do anything up to $2,000. And then all of a sudden now these customers that were unhappy are happy and they're going on and, and continuing to spread positive things about, oh, look what they did. This is, and, and that creates this culture and this buzz that you guys have is the best in the world. So, yeah. And, and, and of course, again, Capella today is more the best hotel company in the world. I tell you an incident in Capella, not very long ago, a friend of mine happened to be a friend of mine who's staying in the Capella in Singapore. And he walked to a meeting, he has to go through the garden. There was a, 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 a landscaping person kneeling on the floor working. The person stood up and said, good, good afternoon, sir. How are you today? I hope you have a nice day with us. And my friend said to him, no, I don't. I just checked in. I looked at, the, at on your TV, you don't have Fox News. And the landscaper said, please forgive me, sir. What room are you in? And he said, Tone room. He said, I'm so sorry, so I hope you have a stay with us, nice day with us anyway. And when the, when the guy came back from his meeting, this room, Fox News was on. <laughs> That's awesome. And he, he, he called me and said, I cannot even believe it. They went through, the, 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 the landscaper called engineering, engineering went right away into it and got it, got it done. Now, he called me, I said, I don't even believe it. Well, it, the, the employee was empowered to move heaven and earth to keep the customer, to yes. make the customer happy. The customer expressed something that he was not happy about. We take care of it if we can at all. That, that's our business. That's called service. I don't make mattresses, by the way. I'm not in the mattress business. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not an architect. All I do is respond to the guests needs once they come with me service means it starts with a great greeting it it, it continues with complying to the needs and wishes of customer in other words after i said hello it's about you the customer to do all i can to make you feel well with what i'm doing it's not about me anymore it's me doing my very best so that you to make the right decision to with you with my product with everything i have and do it right for you that's what it's all about that's called that's hospitality hmm. and don't say friendly goodbye yes that's fantastic that someone the guy that's working on the grounds is the landscaper is is making a decision to improve the overall stay everyone has ownership everyone trusts that and, they can make a decision to improve and, and that of course is because they're all part of a of an objective and of a purpose he, he, that landscaper knew he's not just here to fulfill that function. He is here, here and every, if you would walk into Capella Hotel today, I mean, I sold the company two years ago, but still connected with it. And you would ask any employee, what's your objective here? They would tell him, I'm here to convince the guests to want to come back by what I'm doing. That's it. It's not just a function is to make them feel good, the guests to want to come back and recommend us. And by the way, we measure that every day. I measure that I knew in mm-hmm. every hotel in the, around the world, every morning, how many percent of the customers want to come back and want to rec- recommend us. And if there was a problem in a hotel, I talked to the regional vice president and the general manager. And if the problem persisted for two months, everybody knew I would walk move into the hotel and correct it. Yes. Nobody liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> I bet not. <laughs> but there's that's that's a fantastic story about just, you know, 
what you've just talked about having systems in place, measuring what matters, measuring everything so that you can improve on it. Like you talked about before. Um, and I know there's another story about you have these little note cards that allowed all the employees to align and, and understand the mission of what we're doing every single day. And I think that's powerful because it, it's so simple. Look, there you go. You've got it, got it right there with you. So, but it's right there and you always know what you're doing. You have alignment with, with why you're doing what you're doing and wanting, wanting to do that. And, you know, as we kind of wind down here, I really would like to really dive into, um, you know, first and foremost, actually, before we do that, I'd love to hear how, you know, handling confrontation, because I, I know for sure that, you know, within what you do, you have to deal with very fr- confrontational issues, whether they're, you know, minimal or maybe very a little bit bigger. Very important because you see there are three types of customers. There's the dissatisfied customer. There is a confrontation potential right there. The dissatisfied customer, they become, can become terrorists against your company, against you. They go onto, onto the social network and they can be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then there's the satisfied customers. The satisfied customer goes next door if they think there's a better deal. And then there's the loyal customer. The loyal customer trusts you, period. So what do you do to not have terrorists? Because a problem, when the problems will happen. We, we try to eliminate slowly but surely all problems, but it will happen. So what do you do? And we taught, we taught every employee, and I, as I said, we, we, we empowered them up to $2,000. If you have a customer that has a problem and expresses that to you, here's what you do. We, we certified every single employee of doing this right. So we taught them that a person exam, period. Number one, what you do is you listen to the customer. If they have a problem, you listen. Number two, you show empathy. Number three, you apologize. You don't say they, them. You say, if, the, if it's the bus boy who listens to the complain about the TV, then the bus boy said, please forgive me. I am sorry. So that's number, number, number one. Listen, number two, empathy. Number three, apologize. Number four, make amends. Make them feel good. Buy, buy breakfast. You're empowered to do that. Send some cookies afterwards. Everything. Call engineer and be sure it gets repaired right away. They're empowered to do that. This way, you don't have any terrorists. Hmm. This way. And guess what? The customer who goes through that, even though they were upset, they become loyal right there. Absolutely. Now, what we have to know there, that 96% of customers that complain, they don't want anything. All they want to do is get rid of their frustration. And if you don't say, well, it's not my fault, the frustration goes up. <laughs> Apologize, look them in the eyes and listen to it. I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, I would be upset too. Please forgive me. In that moment, they feel sorry that they even complained. Mm. Yeah, just, just being listened to and being heard and then responding back. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. that's great. That's a master class on handling confrontation right there. As I touched on before, I want to hear, you know, what does it mean to you to be a good, uh, good to be a good husband and to be a good family man? Well, well, you know, have to have a like I said before, what is excellence is functioning right and relating right relationship. And of course, there is no closer, no other relationship. With, and unfortunately, Familiarity creates contempt. We all know that. If you take take that person all of a sudden for granted, don't take a person for granted. 
ask what can we can I do to improve our relationship? Where are we in relationship? Uh, look at your relationship. See, see how we can like like myself look in Ritz Carlton. I had I traveled 250 days a year and I had children, so I had to I had to stay in relationship by telephone. What is going on in the beginning? As I'm learning that, I come home after three weeks in Asia around the world. I come home and said, okay, we're going to do this and this. And my wife said, well, wait a minute, we had planned this. But all of a sudden, I want to control. I'm in control. And all of a sudden, I realized, no, she is in control. Now, next, next, I learned to come home and say, okay, how are we doing? What am, how can I support you? How can I help you? And on the telephone and so on. How, what can I do for you? How can I help? How can I support what in our relationship? And, and generally, how can I be a better husband? How can I make things easier for you? So instead of me, but we, we want to control. And I realize she's in charge of what's happening here. I want to, I want to help you instead of trying to be in charge. So understand you're a team together and, and team helps each other toward a common goal. And, and of course, honor your wife. Don't, don't, don't just love her, honor her, appreciate her, thank her for what she's doing with the family. I, I, mean, I, I never forget my wife had a, a health situation. I had to stay at home. We have three children, three small children. I, I, I don't know how she did it. Pick her up at school, another school, another school, pick him up, picked up that, go to tennis, go to the telephone. I want to scream. <laughs> I didn't know that it was an issue. I thought it was an easy thing. But to, to, to respect what she's doing in, in raising children, the most important thing possibly is you know, this most important institution, God-ordained institution, marriage. Mm -hmm. And we don't do anything about it. We work like crazy to, in our jobs and here, we, we let it happen. And I said, wait a minute, I have changed around. I have to do something about it. and honor this human being with whom I'm uh, sharing life. Mm -hmm. Guys, it, it's a beautiful thing. I'm sorry I, tr I, I preach on that here, but, no. but I'm, I'm doing it because all of you will, most of you, nearly all of you will get married or are married. Do something with it. Don't just mm -hmm. take it for granted. Now I'm married. Now as we've been. No, it's an institution that you work on. That you, that you, there's another human being there that you honor. That together, then you raise other human beings. For I mean, it's 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 a beautiful thing. Wow. Yes, it absolutely is, and that's great advice uh, because it is one of the most important. It is you know, aside from faith, it's the most important thing in your life to be able to be a good spouse and husband. Or, yeah. or wife and then father to your kids and again make that decision look look don't, don't just hope the decisions make the decision i i make mm. it a point I, I i i process everything earlier but anyway when i come home we happen to have a gate in our home the last 25 years when i drive to that gate the gate opens so i have to slow down my car or sometimes stop and that's the moment when i say thank you god for the for this wife and i'm so in love with her mm. and so before i see her i put my mind into it and treat it accordingly and i'm still in love i don't just love my wife i'm in love why i'm doing that for myself selfishly yes and for us 
as a consequence. Yeah. Yes. It might be selfish, but it's also serving her too. So, of right. Course. And it works both. It works in both ways. Which I, that's fantastic advice on marriage. I love that. And uh, definitely, well, you know, trying to be do that in my own life as well. But, you know, talk real quickly, you know, faith, faith is important to you. And just, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of yeah. talk about how, how that's you know, shaped you. Know, you. I, guys, and people don't understand. <clears throat> I like to mention that too. Everybody, everyone makes a big deal about us, those issues. It's, it's another decision that you make. Mm -hmm. And I have a good friend, Stefan in Germany, great guy, intelligent, great, wonderful human being, everything, everything, you know. But he is a proud atheist, proud. And we always used to run together and now we now I'm more woke and chug a little bit and so on in my age. <laughs> but, but we still spend a lot of time when I visit. We, I have a home in Germany still, mm -hmm. uh, in a small village where I come from. So we, we tell when he loves to discuss this issue. He loves to talk about it. And I went, I went to work with him again. And after one and a half hours, I said, hallelujah, he didn't stop start this subject now again, because <laughs> he teased me off at it sometimes. And suddenly he stops and says, well, Horst, you know, I just want to tell you with your belief stuff, you cannot prove that there is God. I said, I can't believe that you said that just now because you can't prove that there isn't. With other words, it's a decision. Hmm. Either the decision evolves, starts somehow when we're small because of parents or so on. But sooner or later, you made a decision to believe or not to believe. That's all it is. And so, and I said, Stefan, I made a decision for hope and you made it against hope. And, and, and frankly, today with the knowledge that we have of the, of, the, of the intelligent design in the universe and on the world, and if, if you would be a half a degree off, and the, if, the, if the, the Big Bang would be one millionth of a, of a percent stronger or one million, that would be in a, all this, new findings you cannot you can't even argue anymore if there's god or not okay you can't i mean it, it just it has become a silly argument now now the revealed god is a different story again but it's a decision you have to make and then follow that decision i made a decision to believe and follow that and study and so on but i understand totally if you made a different decision i understand you sure i would help you to find hope, but it's up to you. It's a decision. I'm not judging anybody on it, but I'm. But I'm, I want to help them to find hope. Mm -hmm. Why give up hope? I, I don't get. I I just don't understand. Why would you say, okay, I will live my life for you now without hope? What kind of decision is that? Come on, guys. Yes. Think yeah. this through for a moment and make the right decision and follow it and study it. And uh, the more you study it, by the way, the more you know you made the right decision. And mm. I, I know that. I would agree with that as well. I, it, sure. I, unlike so many people have huge emotion about it, I became emotional about it. It's, it's just a very pragmatic thing to me. Mm -hmm. And, I'll, you know, once once you choose to follow and learn more, it'll, you know, God will change and shape your heart and, and it affects everything you do as, as, as the way you go about your life. Sure, so. sure. You know, you know, all your values. And I, 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 I look, the more we walk away from belief, the more we, we walk away from the cultural values that we have because of the beliefs that came to us. 
Well, once I move away from values, values are left up to me. That's kind of dangerous, guys. In other words, I can kill you because I'm, it's, I determined that it's, there's a value in that. Come on, come on, come, come on. I mean, really, yeah, that's how it is now. Can, you can argue now and laugh about it or not. That's the way, that's the way, that's what we are recommending today. That's what we're recommending. Oh, it's always up to you. <laughs> no, it's not. There's some absolutes. And those absolutes came from our, our, our system of beliefs, which is beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful stuff. Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I embrace that? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And, you know, as we wind down here, I've got a little fire round. So I want to ask you a few quick questions and you can answer it in, in a sentence or a word, however you feel. You can do anything if. If you have the right, if, if you set the right vision, the right, right purpose for yourself. And then make the right decisions. Yeah. Resilience means. I mean, means not giving up, being focused on what what you want to do, and not give up. Be committed. Mm -hmm. This one I'm particularly interested in because you've gotten to travel all over the place. But what is your favorite vacation spot? Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, everybody expects some unusual comment. <laughs> I can tell you, without, I have three spots. The one spot is that's my house. Okay. When you when you travel like me two hundred fifty days, that's where the favorite spot is. I, they're beautiful. There's so many beautiful spots in the world. I could, I can tell you, I was in so many places. I mean, look here, two hundred fifty days everywhere, every country. Sure. And, and you sit there and say, "Wow, I want my wife to see that. This is the most beautiful." And the next day, I see another one and feel the same way. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So there's a lot of great ones out there. Yeah. Service means. Means caring, means caring about those in front of you, those that are around you. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to. Uh, to hard work, to, to uh, high intent and hard work. Great. We're done with the fire round. The final two questions I have for you. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Well, I, I tell you, it's, it's, it's simply this D. that's why I, I highlighted is don't go to work for work, but go, go for work and go for excellence. But it encompasses that, I translate that in don't just do things, have high intent. Mm -hmm. Have high intent in what you do, don't just do it. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. And you've touched on that as well. But this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? Well, while creating the best you can do for the world or for the world and people around you. Uh, <clears throat> we, we, we live, look, we talk about, uh, about having a, a building a great name, building a legacy and so on. We talk about it. But you're doing that to understand you're doing that by taking care of those around you. Those are, those are by doing the, doing the best for the people around you, that, including your family, but not yeah. only your family, for everybody that you do. Uh, and uh, if I don't mind, if you don't mind, I'll say one, one more word about that. Mm -hmm. That's why being a leader or being a manager, the greatest honor about it, there's such great honor in it, because it allows you to positively impact the life of others. And that's really, 
you, you have to be aware, be conscious about that. If you are a leader, if you're a manager, <clears throat> managers and leadership should come together. A great manager without leadership works. A great leader without management doesn't. But management with leadership is the right thing. Hmm. And the greatest honor that you have in that all is that you have the chance to positively impact the life of others. Yes, that that's is right. absolutely. No, that's that's so good. Well, Horst, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for sharing all those things you've learned throughout your career and the experiences. You know, there's so many impactful lessons that you just shared. And I know I'm definitely going to be trying to apply those in my life. Um, you know, and also if people wanted to learn more about you, I know you've got, you know, the book Excellence Wins. I've got it right here. I've read that a couple of years ago. It's a no nonsense guide to becoming the best in the world of compromise, which is uh, such a great book. And if you're manager leader, if you want to be excellent in your own life, I would re highly recommend that. Don't uh, compromise. Once you, once you said high intent, don't compromise it. Go mm -hmm. on. And I, and, and I hope that you read the book. Don't, I, I, I make nothing from it. But uh, for you, I hope you read the book. Absolutely. And I, I wrote it purposely for two reasons. For young people, I wrote it. That's why I wrote it as stories. Because I throw every, every business book I read halfway through and put it away. <laughs> because uh, that's why I told stories. So you would read it. So hopefully helping young people. And the other thing I want to do, I want to embarrass CEOs. When they read it, they should be embarrassed how they treat their people and so on. Mm. I did it. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a fantastic book. And I remember you saying a story, I guess uh, you were friends with Stephen Covey and he, he encouraged you to finally put that out there. And I'm so I'm thankful for him for doing that. And for, I know many, many people are thankful he did that, but also, they can connect with you via your, your website, horsesholtz.com. Um, yeah. You know, there's other things, you know, as well as additional leadership content that can be purchased and viewed at needtolead.com. Is that correct? Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it can be licensed for a larger audience. So I yeah. just want to say thank you so much. I really appreciate you. your time. Yes. Thank absolutely. you very much. God bless. Hey, everyone. It's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. Now, if you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Uh, once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.